Welcome to the Fairview Church Podcast. At Fairview Church, we are dedicated to reaching our neighbors with the true freedom found in full surrender to Christ. To find out more about our church, including service times, location, and current sermon series, please visit us online at www.myfairview.org. I'd ask if you would stand in honor of reading God's word. This morning we're in John chapter 5, beginning in verse 17. Jesus responded to them, my father is still working and I am working also. This is why the Jews began trying all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. Jesus replied, truly I tell you, the son is not able to do anything on his own, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son likewise does these things. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he is doing, and he will show him greater works than these so that you will be amazed. And just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, so the son also gives life to whom he wants. The father, in fact, judges no one, but has given all judgment to the son so that all people may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Anyone who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. This is the word of the Lord. You you may be seated. This past week, you may have seen in the news or read online the reports uh, that were released regarding the executive committee of the Southern Baptist Convention and a report that was published specifically um, about reports of abuse and cover-up of abuse that had taken place at that level. Um, This was not something that was new in one sense. Um, There have been reports over the past couple of years, and that is why last year, about this time, at the Southern Baptist Convention here in Nashville, uh, the messengers voted for an independent uh, investigation to be done of the executive committee of the Southern Baptist Convention, and the messengers of that convention voted for the attorney-client privilege to be waived. And what that meant is that the reports would be public. And so the reason that we're reading and seeing the things that we are is because of that. In light of these reports, we are overwhelmed at the tragedy and the terrible nature of what has been revealed. We're grieved over this. The Southern Baptist Convention this year is in Anaheim. And that will be taking place here in just a couple weeks. We'll have some messengers from Fairview Church who will go to that. And that report will be released to that convention for the purpose of voting on changes, voting on steps that need to be taken within the convention in order to deal with what has taken place in the past as well as preventing it in the future. And so while we are grieved over what has been revealed. We are thankful that 
what has been in the darkness has been brought into the light. We're thankful for changes that are already happening as there have been actions taken, uh, there have been positions that have been lost, uh, legal action has begun. And so in all of that, we are thankful uh, for the unfolding of justice in these ways. And as we know more in the weeks to come following the convention, we will share more with you and provide an opportunity for you uh, as members of Fairview Church to ask questions and engage uh, with what is going to be done in the future. Uh, In light of all of this and our text that we come to today in John chapter 5, I want to talk about the subject of authority. I want to consider what Jesus says about authority, how Jesus demonstrates authority, and how we as the body of Christ should think about authority. Now, as we we're finishing up the school semester, and how many of you are students who are finished with school for the summer? Can you raise your hand? All right. Now, how do you guys feel about that? Are you excited about summer? Yes, awesome. I, know. I heard my kids over here very excited. And so we were the last day of school, and I was dropping my kids off at Coles Ferry Elementary here in Lebanon. And as I was pulling out onto the road in front of Coles Ferry, I was driving down, and there was a police officer who was serving as the crossing guard. Typically, there's just a crossing guard who's there, but on this instance, it was a police officer. And I kind of noticed him, but all of a sudden I noticed him more because he started waving and he stepped out in front of my car doing this. And so I came to a complete stop and he came to my window and said, you need to slow down. And he said, you also need to stay off your phone. Now, my immediate response was not, I am so thankful for this officer that is upholding the law for citizens like myself. My immediate response was defensiveness. I felt like I was going slow. I probably was going 20 miles an hour where the speed limit was 15, so acknowledging my sin, but didn't feel like I was going fast, and I was on speaker. (laughs) So I was holding the phone in my hand, but I was speaking through the speaker. But regardless, that reaction that I had reveals how I feel about authority, especially when authority crosses the lines of my comfort and my preferences and my day. You see, I, again, am not inclined to react with thankfulness and gratitude for authority. And I think this is the reality. We like the concept of authority. We want authority to protect us and to deal with others who need to be dealt with. And yet, when it comes to authority that is over us, that directly intersects with us, we see things based on our own preferences and our own agenda, how we think that authority should be exercised. And the problem is, is when you have billions of people who all have their own way of viewing how things should be done, what laws should be upheld, what standards are reasonable, like 25 mile an hour speed limits, and 
unreasonable. And in all of these cases, the problem is, is that if each of us have the opportunity to define the law, to define right and wrong for ourselves, it will be chaos. And this is where we need an ultimate authority. There, there needs to be an ultimate authority. And this is what we find in the scriptures. In the movie Rudy, which is one of my favorite movies, classic movie, uh, Rudy is talking with the priest. And the priest says to him um, that after decades of theological study, I don't know much for sure, but I know two things. First, there is a God. And secondly, I'm not him. Now, many of us would say that we know that. And yet, if we're completely honest, we don't really live that way. We really do want to be God, especially when it comes to certain areas of our lives or certain things that we don't want to be under his authority for. This is very much what is taking place in John chapter 5, because you have these Pharisees and these temple leaders and they are running into Jesus. They are conflicting with Jesus. And specifically what they're conflicting over is his claim of authority. You see, they are the people who represent God. They are the people who are called to enact God's laws. Now, what we know is they have added to those and adjusted in some ways that Jesus is confronting but they have the Sabbath law. And if you're here last week, we looked at specifically the issue of the Sabbath and they want to enforce that law, which is that you can't do anything, including carry a mat on the Sabbath. And that law that they, as representatives of God, are enforcing puts them in conflict with a man who is healed on the Sabbath and is therefore carrying his mat. We read in verse 18, this is why the Jews began trying all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. And this is the reaction to the fact that they see this man who's carrying a mat, who's been healed on the Sabbath, and they ask him what he's doing, and he says, hey, don't blame me, blame it on the guy who healed me. He told me to pick up my mat and carry it, and, and he didn't know who it was, but eventually Jesus came and revealed himself to him in the temple, and once he knew that it was Jesus, he went and told the authorities. And in response to that, Jesus says, well, my father's working, my dad's working on the Sabbath, right? You know how that world keeps spinning and those plants keep growing? That water keeps flowing? Dad's working today, and so I am too. And this enraged them, the authority that he would claim as the son of God. But specifically what Jesus is doing is using that authority to denounce their authority and to denounce the way that they are using authority. And that's what we're going to consider first is abusive authority. 
They began all the more trying to kill him. They heard Jesus teach with authority. They saw the people, including this man, that he had healed. They saw the evidence that he was doing works that only God could do. And yet in the very face of that evidence, they rejected acknowledging that Jesus was operating with the authority of God. And so when we consider the role that they have, the role that they have is that of a shepherd. And this is where we find in the Old Testament, those who are leaders of the people of God are called shepherds. They are to lead God's people. And so as we move into the New Testament, this is still the position. The title that they have is that of a shepherd. And a shepherd is to care for who? The sheep. They are to provide for and care for and bind up and lead and guide the sheep. And yet, What is happening is they are in this position of shepherding the people of God. And when one of those sheep has been bound up, has been paralyzed for decades, when this sheep that they are called to care for and love is after all of that time healed, what is their inner response? Are they happy and rejoice that this sheep, this child of God is well? No, they're angry, they're upset, and there is this internal lack of love, a lack of concern for God and his purposes that is revealed. They are shown to be bad shepherds who lack compassion for the sheep. Jesus says elsewhere that they tie up heavy loads. Instead of freeing the sheep, they bind them and tie them up with heavy And this is where God, throughout history, has confronted shepherds. He has confronted those individuals who have positions of authority over his sheep when they do not use that authority rightly. In Ezekiel 34, which is very much the passage that is behind this interaction, God condemns the leaders of Israel, the shepherds of Israel, because they are not caring for the sheep, but are in fact abusing and mistreating the sheep. In Ezekiel 34, 4, we read, you have not strengthened the weak, healed the sick, bandaged the injured, brought back the strays, or sought the lost. By the way, when you consider the teachings of Jesus, the parables of the kingdom, what it is Jesus came to do, those are all the things that Jesus came to do, the very things that the shepherd of Israel were not doing. Instead, you have ruled them with what? Violence and cruelty. Instead of compassionately caring for the sheep, They have treated them with violence and cruelty. They have used the authority in a way that is abusive rather than loving. We find next that there is accountability for authority. As we continue through Ezekiel 34, we read these words beginning in verse 8. As I live, this is the declaration of the Lord God. Because my flock, lacking a shepherd has become prey and food 
for every wild animal. And because my shepherds do not search for my flock, and because the shepherds feed themselves rather than my flock, therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. And then verse 10, this is what the Lord God says. Look, I am against the shepherds. I will demand my flock from them and prevent them from shepherding the flock. The shepherds will no longer feed themselves for I will rescue my flock. Rescue his flock from these outside predators? No, who is he going who is God? Yahweh Elohim going to rescue his sheep from the shepherds from their mouths so they will not be food for them. And this is where we see that the sheep are always God's sheep and the shepherds are always under God's authority. And there is going to be accountability for those shepherds. They are never independently authoritative. There is never a way in which they have all of the power to use however they want. It is always under the accountability of God. It was given to them by God and it is to be used for and in the way that God has purposed it. And Jesus now is coming in fulfillment of Ezekiel 34. He is coming to rescue his sheep, even from the shepherds. Jesus replied, truly I tell you, the son is not able to do anything on his own, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son likewise does these things. You see, Jesus, differently than they think, is not a rogue agent who's just going around doing things on his own, but he has come to reveal the heart of the father. Just as Ezekiel 34 says that the the father, that God is against the shepherds and he is revealing the desires and the purposes of the father of rescuing and caring for and healing and binding up the sheep. What Jesus is doing in the temple and across his ministry is what the father is doing. Just as the father works on the Sabbath, the son is working along with him. He is fulfilling this passage from Ezekiel and he is revealing the true nature of his identity. We find in verse 22, the father in fact judges no one but has given all judgment to the son. Jesus is revealed as this judge. In Ezekiel 34, 22, we read, I will save, God is saying, I will save my flock. They will no longer be prey and I will judge between one sheep and another. This position of authority that God has as judge is now being demonstrated by who? By Jesus. He says, the father has given me this authority of bringing judgment, of overseeing these false shepherds and bringing about this accountability. Matthew 18, 27 says, for the son of man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his father and he will reward each according to what he has done. The son of man, Jesus, this is the title from Daniel that is used for Jesus. He is going to come and he is going to be the judge. 
All are going to stand before him in judgment. Romans 2.6 says he will repay each one according to his works. And here's what we know, that there is nothing that is hidden that will not be brought into the light. There will be final accountability for all. And here's what we need to see in Instances of churches, instances of those who are pastors and authors and leaders and and all of these ways in which authority is utilized in a way that is abusive, that mistreats those who they are called to oversee, there will be judgment. And Jesus ultimately is the one who identifies and cares for the least of these. In Matthew 19, yesterday we were at the Renaissance Festival. And if you got about 12 hours to sit in traffic, go for it. But we were there and they had these millstones. Actually, I remembered them from when I was in Israel, right? Jesus has very harsh things to say about those who mistreat children. And, and there is this way in which Jesus demonstrates concern for the lowest and the least, those who can't protect themselves, can't provide for themselves. And there are these, these harsh warnings for those who, who do. James 3.1 says, Not many should become teachers, my brothers. Because you know that we will receive a stricter judgment. When I came to Fairview in view of a call, one of the questions that was asked to me was how I would handle the fact that my father-in-law, Wayne Martin, uh, is, a, is a member here at Fairview. And would I just do whatever he wanted? And my immediate response to that, which I appreciate the question is that I am under a far greater accountability to a far greater authority than my father-in-law. That I am under the accountability of Christ himself, the one who is the true shepherd of the sheep. And one day I will stand before him and there is for those who are teachers, who are pastors, who are in positions of authority, a stricter judgment. We know this because the responsibility is so great. And, and this is a reality that I have to live under, right? And, and for all of those who are in these shepherding positions, this is true. And I think for many people, they may not truly believe this, right? If an immediate desire is, is greater than this ultimate reality, I think there's a, a great question about, do they really believe these things? Do they really believe that, that there is this judgment and there is this justice to come? Now, there is not in any way a desire because of this, because of this ultimate reality of Jesus bringing this justice and this judgment, a lack of necessity for us here now to bring about justice where there is abuse. And, and it is ab- if there is in any of your all's environments or, or within this church, uh, evidence of that, the immediate call is to go to the authorities, to call the police. That's always the right thing to do. We, uh, a little over two years ago, Pastor John went to a Caring Well conference when a lot of these, the Houston Chronicle kind of began to share some of these stories and went through a thorough training on, on how we can ensure that all of our policies and procedures 
are as effective as they can be and we can prevent these environments of abuse from taking place here. And so we, we went through that. We continue to do everything that we can to, to maintain that security. But we, again, we call anyone here who is part of our church to take those steps and to provide that accountability as those who are under the authority of Christ. Well, third and finally, we find the absolute authority. Verse 23, so that all people may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Anyone who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. And so Jesus came with the authority of who? Of God, right? The greatest possible authority was what Jesus came. And so to reject Jesus, as was taking place here, was to reject the very authority of God. And this is where we see that the true shepherd has come. And and this is very much the context for these interactions between Jesus and these leaders in the temple in Jerusalem and the Pharisees is this this charge that they are bad shepherds, that they are poor shepherds, and Jesus has come as the true shepherd, the fulfillment of Ezekiel 34. And he represents this ultimate authority as the good shepherd. And and this conversation is going to be picked up in John 10, where he is going to say specifically, all of these false shepherds that have come before me, they are robbers and liars. And he is going to follow that up in John 10, 10, by saying a thief comes only to steal, kill, kill, and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. If you know anything about a shepherd, you know that they are incredibly brave, incredibly courageous individuals because they do have to, in the Middle East context where this was written, protect from lions and uh, animals of prey, and they have to be prepared to fight off these animals in order to protect the sheep. Have any of you ever had a possum or some animal like that in your house? Right. How many of you all handled that well? Right? Like mice, let's just be honest. These individuals were fighting off these you know, apex predators to protect the sheep. And they were laying down their lives. They were sacrificing themselves for the good and the protection of the sheep. And this is what Jesus displays. He utilizes his authority, not as the false shepherds, to prey on the sheep, but to protect the sheep. He utilizes his authority in a way that ultimately leads to laying down his life, sacrificing himself for the sheep. And ultimately, this is the greatest display of love. That God, who is love, has designed authority to be used in a way that is loving. You see, there are people who have authority or power, but no love. And you've seen them. We know about them. People who have all kinds of power and authority, 
but they don't have love. They're cruel. And then there are also people who have love, but they have no power or authority. Right? And so basically they're just well-wishers. There's not a lot that can be done. But Jesus is this combination as God in the flesh of love and power, love and authority. And he displays this most clearly on the cross. And this tells us, because we all see, like this week in the news, in Uvalde, and all of these examples, we see suffering and agony in the world. And we've experienced it in our own lives. And there are questions, how could God allow suffering? And how could God allow injustice? Right? And yet what we see is that we do not serve a God who remains distant, but a God who humbles himself, who experiences this suffering in the person of Jesus, who ultimately takes on the fullness of sickness and suffering and sin and death, all of the greatest agonies that we experience, he takes them upon himself. He who knew no sin became sin for us. And he dies in our place. For the very, the shepherd dies for the very sheep who rebel against him and run from him. So that we can be both forgiven and set free from the burden of our sin. And this is where we are reminded that we are to be the body of Christ. We are, as the church, to be those who embody the person of Jesus. And this is our calling, that as he laid down his life for us, we are to what? To lay our lives down for others. This is our calling. And, And what this means is we are called to Sacrifice ourselves in various ways for those who are in need, for those who cannot protect themselves, who are the most vulnerable. Right? We are to express the love of Christ and the purposes of Christ as our shepherd king in not weighing all of the consequences, in not living in this mentality of self-preservation, Right, which so often is what prevents the right thing from being done is, is the self-preservation mentality. But we are to step out in courage and do the things that Christ calls us to do, the right things. And the reason is both because Christ did them for us on the cross, because this is the way he displayed his love for us, and also because he didn't stay there Because ultimately evil and death did not win. But Christ conquered the grave. He conquered the powers of Satan, sin, and death. And brought about the reality of eternal life and resurrection. So if we are those who believe that after death comes resurrection, right? That the sufferings of this world are not worth comparing to the eternal weight of glory. The eternal reality that will come for those who are in Christ. Then... We are able to give of ourselves now. We are able to sacrifice ourselves now because this isn't all that there is. One way that we most clearly 
represent the fact that we are the body of Christ is through the Lord's Supper. And so we're going to be preparing for that. I'd ask the band to go ahead and come up. The call for everyone today is to surrender to Jesus as shepherd king. Maybe you're here today and, and you've never actually become a follower of Jesus. You've never surrendered your life to him. I want you to hear these words that God demonstrates his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You don't have to clean yourself up, undo all of the things that you've done, earn God's love. You receive the forgiveness that Christ purchased for you on the cross by faith. And then you surrender to him. There are others here today who are called to to re-surrender, to continually surrender to Jesus as our authority, as our shepherd king. One of the ways that we do this is by confession, is by acknowledging the things that we have done to him. Acknowledging ways that we have done what is wrong or failed to do what is right. So we tell the truth and we confess that, we acknowledge that to him. After we do that, we can receive what we can't accomplish for ourselves. We can receive forgiveness We can receive his love and his pardon. And then ultimately, we're called to surrender to doing what we can, right? Empowered by God to doing what he has called us to do. And so I want to invite us into a time of of just confession, searching our own hearts, acknowledging the ways in which we've not lived in full surrender to Christ. In just a moment, we'll continue by taking communion together. Thank you for listening to the Fairview Church podcast. To find out more about our church, please visit us online at www.myfairview.org.